So we are in this series, uh, I Choose, trying to, trying to look at how do, we, how do we live with more biblical wisdom. Um, in, in Dwayne's prayer, he, he prayed for God to, to restore marriages. And how, how, do we as, how do we as people of faith grow in our faith? How do we participate in God's renewal of our marriages? How do, how do we participate in God's healing presence? How, how do we grow in our faith so that we make good decisions and we live according to wisdom? That's what I challenge us to think about this morning. I get a little bit ahead of myself. I will tell you that if you stop and think so many times, we, we don't use things often the way that they are intended to be used. Right? Um, I will tell you a couple examples from, from my family or my, my life. I, I tell you all the time some of the stories of some of the things that I do stupidly, and this is two of those. Um, one was I, we were growing up, we lived, we lived in the country. So uh, back in Powder Springs at that time, uh, it was an old dirt road. There, were, there weren't a lot of people that lived nearby. And so in the country, you don't have a whole lot of things to do. Uh, and so uh, we lived out there. And one night, my parents decided to go out to dinner with their best friends. And they left me and my older brother and their three boys together at our house. Five of us between the ages of 8 and 13. Not their wisest moment either. Uh, but so, so they left us there, and so we were all trying to figure out what we were going to do. And so we went out to play basketball, and so we were playing basketball. And somewhere along the way, somebody talked about dunking a basketball. And so we thought, well, we need to learn how to do that. And so we couldn't figure out, being 8 to 13, how we were going to dunk a basketball. And then I don't know who had the idea to – we moved the trampoline down from the, the – the, uh, yard down in front of the basketball goal and that was where we began to learn how to dunk a basketball so we would jump on the trampoline we would dunk it and hang on to the rim and it was just so much fun it was really good um one of the boys his name's tank um tank is still his nickname uh but but tank was a bigger boy and so tank wanted to dunk just like we were dunking and so tank jumped on the trampoline dunked on the basketball goal and hung there shattered it. Uh, All of the glass everywhere. So we quickly moved the trampoline back to the spot because the grass tells you where it's at. We were very meticulous. We got it right where it was. My parents pull in. There's glass everywhere on the driveway and they walk in. They want to know what happens. And of course, me being the the person that I am, I told them it was lightning. Uh, (laughs) But but that was uh, one of those times where we did not use it the way that it was intended to be used. Um, another example I thought of was, uh, again, out in the country, sometimes the, I laugh when I say this, the city folk uh, would come out to my house. And so uh, that we didn't have a whole lot to do. And so we would take them out. And I remember we would go out into the pasture. And why they would agree to this, I don't know. But we would take fireworks and put it into the cow patties. And tell them to stand over and watch the fireworks. And they did. I mean, I'm like, anyway. But, but obviously, we can laugh, but there, there is a certain level of danger in, in, in both of those circumstances. But, but it's just the, the idea and the reality is we sometimes don't use things the way that they are intended to be used. Um, you see, just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should do something. Just because it's possible 
That's what we're talking about, growing in our maturity and growing in our faith is coming to that place that we differentiate between those things that we are able to do and those things that we should do. 1 Corinthians says it this way, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. You talk about wisdom and growth in your faith. It's understanding those things that are permissible, but also understanding those things are beneficial. See, when God created us, he created us as autonomous beings, so he does not work and operate like a puppet master trying to tell us exactly what we're able to do. If you want to know this, this can be good news for you. If you want, we're free to do anything we want. But wisdom, growth, is understanding and being able to differentiate between those things that we can do and those things that we should do. And so when we look at, at 2 Peter, when this, these are virtues, that this passage that we've been looking at all month, these are virtues, and these are not virtues that God wants from us. These are virtues that God wants and desires for us. They describe someone who is grown and mature in their faith. Look at what it says in 2 Peter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, if we sit here today and we want to figure out how do, how do we grow in our faith, how do we work on our marriage, how do we allow the Spirit to help us overcome addiction, how, how do we ch- It starts, change starts with faith. Faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that you take that faith and then you add goodness. Because when you have have faith, it opens up the world of possibilities to you. And and that's what goodness is, this character, this integrity. And then we add to goodness, we add knowledge. We add this intimate relationship with God where God's spirit speaks and guides and directs us. And then it says that you add to knowledge self-control. See, here, here is one truth that we all have no matter who we are, is there's a maturity gap in all of us. There's a difference between that person that we long to be and that God desires for us to be and who we really are. There's a gap for all of us. And the spiritual life is meant to guide us so that we overcome those God-given appetites that we may have, those feelings, and that we listen to the Spirit as we grow and mature in our faith. So self-control is is about reestablishing order in your life, not falling and succumbing to our appetites and feelings, but listening to the Spirit of God. That's part of what self-control is all about. And then the Scripture says that you add to self-control perseverance. And that makes sense because any of us who have ever struggled with trying to to be self-controlled in an area of our life 
what do we know? We know that it is something that has to happen over and over and over again. We have to persevere. We also understand that there's these two conflicting emotional responses that occur. Because as you have self-control over a particular area, you get a, you get a high. You get an emotional high because, wow, I, I, I conquered it this time. And then you have a low because you know that you've got to do it again and again and again. I can tell you that I've been honest with you that my, my, my goal this year, one of my goals is to, to be better health-wise, to, to not diet, but to eat healthier. Um, and so Claire and I, we are, we are on this journey together to, to eat healthier. Uh, and so I will tell you about me. I, I, I like fried food. So anything fried, good with me. Uh, and so I, I, I enjoy, and I don't eat a lot of vegetables. My vegetable is potato, uh, and I prefer it fried. Uh, and so... Uh, but, but that, you know, I, I just don't eat a lot of vegetables, and, and, I, and I know that I should, and I especially know that I should eat green vegetables, but I don't like them. And so, uh, I, you know, I struggle with trying to figure. So, so we, I do a lot of Google searches trying to find recipes for things that, that might taste good to me. And so, uh, so the other day, a couple of weeks ago, I found this recipe for Brussels sprouts. And it was uh, Brussels sprouts that I was going to chop them up, and they had to you roast them for a little while, and then you, you put some spices on them. And, I mean, the picture looked really good. And so, so we decided, well, we're going to have Brussels sprouts. So I went to the grocery store. I bought the bag of Brussels sprouts. We came home. We were so proud. We were chopping them up. But we were like a little chef couple that we were in there, everything. Our picture did not look like the picture that was online. But, but I'm going to tell you something. They, they weren't that bad. They really weren't. They weren't that good, but they weren't that bad. <laughs> And I was, I mean, y'all, I had Brussels sprouts. I ate them. And so I was so excited. Here was this emotional high. I was like, we just ate Brussels sprouts. And so then you know what followed that? Oh, no. We got to eat more Brussels sprouts. Uh, there's this emotional roller coaster that you, that you go through. And, and it can be overwhelming as we deal with this maturity gap. And every time you take a step trying to move towards the ideal, you realize how far you are from the ideal, right? You think about that as you become more intimate. It's been my experience. As you become more intimate with Jesus, you realize how far you pale in comparison to Jesus. And so when we struggle in a particular area, as we move closer to the ideal, the farther we seem. And so what do we want to do? We want to quit. We give up on the idea that we could actually change. And then the scary thing is, is when we have a setback, we're often, we fall further than where we were when we originally started. And so if we're going to practice self-control, we have to understand that perseverance comes with it. Would you pray with me? Most gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to grow in your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you speak into our lives. Help us to have strength in you for self-control and perseverance. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to rediscover with me the, the word perseverance because the perseverance at first, it sounds 
extremely boring. Um, and if you're like me, you equate it um, the synonym patience. And very few of us probably enjoy patience. Uh, and so I want you to, to see some definitions for perseverance. Here's one that I found uh, in Webster. It says perseverance is the continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. And that's pretty good, but then I read on one scholar, he talked about perseverance, and he described perseverance this way. Look at this definition. It says, the independent, unyielding, defiant steadfastness in the face of aggressive misfortune. At its core, perseverance is a form of courage. That's not boring. I want you to think about what this picture, the, the, in Greek, the word for perseverance is the word hypomon. And it literally means to bear up, to bear under. It's a military term. So if you want to try to picture perseverance in your head, I want you to picture a, a, a military troop that is uh, holding a position under great fire and adversity. That's the description that the Bible uses for the word Perseverance. It's not boring and it's not passive. It's courageous as we persevere. It's unyielding, defiant steadfastness in the face of aggressive misfortune. So then you stop, and at least for me, I stop and think, okay, so then what role does perseverance have? Well, let's look at what James says in James chapter 1. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, perseverance is the work of maturity. All of the other things, goodness and and self-control, knowledge, all of those are tools of maturity. But perseverance is the work. Everything so far has kind of identified where we are, where the ideal is, where the gap is. Perseverance is actually the time where you begin to close the gap, where you persevere in your faith. Maturity is not something that typically occurs overnight. It's something that happens over time, and it's progression after progression over and over and over again. But let me tell you something. Perseverance is the number one factor in success As we think about growing in our faith. And this is an important thing for us to wrap our minds around. Because what we typically do is we look at our situation and we blame it on other things. Well, it's the way that I grew up. It's just my personality. It's doors that aren't being opened for me or doors that are being shut for me. It's not that those factors aren't important. But let me tell you something. They're not reasons to quit. All of us, we all have this gap. And so what we want to understand is perseverance is obedience over time in the same direction. Obedience in time for the same direction. And this is really what I want us to kind of spend our time thinking about. What does it take for us to close that gap? What does it take for us to close the difference between the the ideal and the real? And I think if we'll wrestle with this question, I think we'll begin to break down some of the barriers that stand between us. Let's look back at 2 Peter in verse 8. 
when he's listing all these virtues, after he lists them, he says this, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So essentially, if you persevere in these, in these qualities, then your experience with Jesus will not be for nothing. But then he comes to verse 9, and look at what it says. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sin. So perseverance, persons who, who, who don't persevere, they're nearsighted. Listen to this. Nearsightedness is the enemy of perseverance. Being nearsighted, it's the enemy of persevering. And a person can become so fixated on what's in front of them that they lose sight of the fact that they have been cleansed from all of their past sin. We can become so fixated on this. I mean, think about it. That, that's Peter walking on water, right? If you know the story of Peter walking on water, he gets out. He becomes so fixated on the, on the water. He becomes so fixated on the wind. He becomes so fixated on the waves that he forgets. He's with Jesus. He forgets that he's been cleansed. Our, and, and our nearsightedness, it shows up in our lives in so many different ways. And I think if you'll stop and think about it this morning, you might resonate with, with one of these ways. One is that our nearsightedness gets us to focus on right here, this moment, this circumstance, this situation that we find ourselves in. And we forget what we know to be true. We forget what we know and believe. So we may look at someone and we know without a shadow of a doubt that they are created by God. But we go, but it would really feel good to gossip about them. I would, I would be nice to knock them down just, just a bunch. We know that Something is unhealthy for us. Something that's destructive for us. But we stop and we look and we go, but you know what? It would feel good to do that. We forget what we know to be true. We know that the scripture says God's divine power has everything we need. But then we stress and we worry and we fill our lives with anxiety. Because we can be nearsighted. On right here. We don't think about what it is that we really believe. And you see this in Scripture. This is not unique to us. You can go look at, at Paul in the New Testament. If you know, know much about Paul, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, Paul is, is the super Christian for most of us. We stop and think about him. And, and yet he struggled with nearsightedness. He wrote the book of Philippians. If you don't know this, he wrote the book of Philippians from a Roman prison cell. And he is, he is awaiting to find out whether he is going to be executed. He is, his allegiance was shown to Jesus and not to Caesar. And so they're having to decide whether they're going to kill him and Paul is sitting in a Roman prison cell unsure of what's going to happen and he begins to struggle with this very thing. Look at what it says in Philippians 1, 22 through 24. Paul writes this, he says, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. 
Now, we read this passage. If you go back and read the original Greek, translators have cleaned this passage up tremendously. If you go back and look in the Greek, it is very choppy. It's, it, it's very unclear of everything that is going on. And what scholars look at this and believe, because of Paul's other writings, scholars look and believe that what, what you see in this, in the original text, is true anxiety over this moment of, bang, of the possibility of being executed, that he's disjointed in the way that he's thinking. And so you can kind of see this play out with him. And so in this emotional state, when you're reading this passage, you look around it in other places in Philippians, and what you see is it's surrounded by his deeper convictions. In the midst of this uncertainty, in this emotional state, we begin to read words like this. Look at what it says in verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He talks about God's faithfulness. In verse 10, he talks about how God is going to one day uh, restore everything. In verse 12, we get this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to the advance of the gospel. He knows that God will use what is happening to him for good, that God will use to be able to advance something. And so Paul sees these two forces at work with him. His present situation, his anxiety, his feelings over what's going to happen, and yet his certainty of what he believes. And so then he writes these words in verse 25 and 26. Confident of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. See, we, we get fixated on here. And what we see in Paul is someone who teaches us to, to remember our deeper, deeper convictions. It's submitting to a deeper truth, to a deeper reality. When you begin to get discouraged, you challenge it with truth. When you begin to get uncertain, you challenge it with certainty. You challenge it with assurance. I will tell you, Today at the 8.30 service, if you were not here, if you have not heard, we had an opportunity as a church to witness this. In the middle of the sermon, Clark James had an episode. We had to call 911 once again on Clark, and there was a period of time where we were all very, very scared and very nervous. It reminded me of a time about two years ago, one Sunday morning. Service was going to start about 9.30. And at 9 o'clock, I got a phone call that Claire's best friend had passed away. I walked up to do the welcome. Lost it. Got through with the welcome. Had to go back downstairs. Had to go to the bathroom to kind of restore myself. And one of my good friends at the church walked in at that time. And he walked into the bathroom. Nobody knew what was going on. He walked in and he said, what's going on? And I began to tell with him what we were dealing with. And he said, dude, you don't have to do this. I said, yeah, I do. Because I know what's true. And what I told the 830 service this morning as they were wheeling Clark out was, we may be frightened, we may be scared, but we know what's true. And Clark knows what's true. And Clark would want us to claim our faith because we know what's true. So sometimes in the midst of perseverance, we have to realize that perseverance causes us to lock into the here. 
And what I would challenge you is to begin, as you struggle and grow in your faith, is begin to, to claim the deeper truth of Jesus Christ. Now, the other thing that it does is it often causes us to, to lock in on right now. We are a society that wants instantaneous change. And so we have to understand that perseverance is not something that we see overnight. It's not something you measure day by day. It's often month by month or year by year. I mean, the reality is, and Claire and I have struggled with being healthier for years. The reality is those are times where you, where you want to quit. But perseverance is understanding beyond just now. That you can look back on your life and you can see, okay, God has grown me in this area from now versus where I was a year ago. And there are several things scripturally that we need to claim. One, the Bible tells you over and over again, remember. Remember. Remember where you came from. Not remember where you came from so that you can go back to it, but remember where you came from so that it can push you forward. So stop and think, how do you remember? When I remember what God has done for me in the past, I know that God will be present with me in the future. How do you remember? And then the second thing is very clear in Scripture is you need to have people around you, relationships around you, because people often see growth in you that you don't see in yourself. And so you need people around you who are going to kind of surround you and to be able to, to help you grow in your faith. That's why, as a staff, we're talking about discipleship right now because discipleship is so important. If you don't have a group of people who are helping you grow in your faith, you need it. It helps you persevere. This passage that we're looking at, it says that we are participants in the divine nature. This word is, means instinctive, natural, So maturity isn't just behavior modification. It's allowing the Spirit of God to change us, make us into new creatures. We get locked into right now. And then the third I would tell you is we get locked into right away. Perseverance is about loving the journey. I think about my kids often as I write sermons. What would I want them to hear? But then also, how do they affect me? Let me tell you what I want for my kids. I want my kids. It's not a tangible thing. I don't want my. It's not that I want my kids to have a certain item. What I want for my kids is I want my kids to have the things that they need tangible or intangible, to help them grow into mature adults. Right? As parents, isn't that what we want? And I don't want to protect my children from all the pain in the world because they're going to experience pain, right? What I want for my children is I want them to be able to deal with the pain in a way that's healthy and whole, right? Isn't that what we want? So I stop and think, if, that, if that's what I want for my kids, don't you think that's what Jesus wants for us? That's what his desire for us would be? And so then, 
if we have that understanding, go back and listen to what James says. Listen again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We should consider it a pure joy, the journey of perseverance. We don't have to look and try to avoid that type of experience because it is a part of who we are and how God can make us more complete in who he created us to be. Perseverance is the work of spiritual maturity. Let us grow in our faith. Let us persevere. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who continues to pour into us. And Lord, I realize that every single person here, if we begin to think about the, the ideal, the person who, who we long to be, and the, and the real, who we know that we are, every single one of us see a gap. Help us, Lord, to, to grow in goodness. Help us to grow in knowledge. Help us to grow in self-control so that we can allow your perseverance to work in us, to make us more complete. Help us to not be afraid of it, but to embrace it. Help us to find joy in the process so that we can be the people that you have called us to be. And I know, God, that there are people right now who are going through some really difficult circumstances. And God, I pray that in this moment, they can hold on to your truth. The truth of your saving power the truth of your unending presence, the truth of your unconditional love. Help us persevere so that we may grow and be mature and complete. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.